Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris. Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson in today, a special partner uh, right in the show along with me and Will. We say hi to the pride of Fairbury, rocking the Fairbury red and gold. It is Bill Dolman for two hours. This is not a hostage situation if you're watching on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter feed or Facebook. He's just in his living room. Bill, wave to the people. Make sure there's uh, everyone's okay. There's no need to conser- be concerned. Uh, you're, you're willingly doing this for the next two hours. Good to, good to, we always talk on Fridays unless I'm uh, pulling a Johnny Carson and, and off watching Junior play baseball. But this is going to be a lot of fun, fellas. Uh, Will, you got your big eight gear going. Uh, I am uh, gearing up for... Uh, maybe a little sleep tonight. We had baseball at Millard North and then Scott. Uh, Scott first, then Millard North. But long and short, the the boys battled hard, lost heartbreak fashion, uh, bottom of the seventh, and, uh, and and fell at Millard North. Great ball game between the two two squads. And we got home at midnight. I can't do that anymore. That used to be a normal Thursday. Uh, if you let Bill, <laughs> if you let Bill Dolman uh, get loose on me a little bit, but. Uh, fun show planned. We will uh, talk legacy and lasting moments from those in rarefied air in the sports world. That's obviously triggered by Tiger and the Open today, that, that final walk-up 18. Jacob Padilla from Hale Varsity going to join us, get his take on some Husker football. as uh, Lots of uh, news and notes from Travis Fisher. Also, some thoughts on uh, the NBA and and uh, the high school ranks with Jacob Padilla from a, from a, from a basketball standpoint. Uh, dear friend of Bill Dolman's and uh, one of the best there is uh, with ESPN College Football, Kelly Stoffer, pride of Rushville, will be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. And then uh, a dear friend and tremendous golf mind, uh, he's our PGA insider, uh, recruiter and coach of, of Zach Johnson, Chris Elgert, going to join us to talk the Open and uh, what what he has been able to garner from from Tiger and uh, what happened today is Tiger Woods misses the cut. Numbers to dive in can dial us up at 466-376-476-3776-800-825-5865 where you hear us around the great state of Nebraska. Can email chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, tweet at us if you like at Bill Dolman. At uh, Willie on the radio for Will Wilson at Schmidt underscore radio for me, Chris Schmidt. And you can interact via Twitter or Facebook, uh, the stream yard uh, with ESPN Lincoln. Bill and Will, uh, kind of a weird 
Friday uh, with the Open going on. Uh, we all enjoy golf. Some of us, and I'm looking at Will Wilson, are better at it than others. And uh, just kind of a surreal moment that what if, what if it is it for Tiger Woods uh, in, in in major competition? What it what what is it if it's it for Tiger Woods? Uh, as we we know him, is that the lasting image you want of Tiger? Him tipping his cap, walking off, uh, being saluted by his peers. That's really cool. the uh, The downside is Father Time and just physically his inability to be what he once was due to due to the accident he suffered. And I, I look at it this way, Bill, and we'll get you guys' take on this. It's flat out remarkable for him in this window to go give it what he's given it uh, with the two previous majors as hilly as those regions are uh, Augusta and of course the U S open uh, this at, at, at St. Andrews is supposed to be a little more manageable because it's not as hilly. I guess I've never been, <laughs> but he, he just didn't have it. It started off wrong and he kept battling and it, it, it would have been easy for him to, to not put himself out there. Now, personally, as competitive as he is and guys at that level are, he wants to go out and, and perform and dominate. You just don't know if he's going to be able to do it ever again. For him to have a, another green jacket back in 2019 at his age, despite his injury history, and then the off-the-course the, the stuff, that was a, a really cool comeback story. But, Bill and Will, this uh, – I'm going to – I'm going to choose to to look at that image where he's walking across the bridge, cap in hand, and then the tears streaming down his cheeks as he's going up 18. as as a not 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 a not a sad moment of man he he missed the cut. It's wow he put himself out there and tried to grind and 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 see the weekend. It just wasn't in the cards. Well, the way I look at this, and you know I tend to look at things through a little different prism than most people, and of course I'm usually right in what I, uh, the way I view it, <laughs> I think that this is another opportunity for Tiger Woods to save golf. Mm. Uh, because all that is going on with the Live Tour, the controversy over the past, uh, what really two months that this has been percolating and now boiling over, uh, golf needed the U.S., uh, the British Open, the Open Championship, it needed it, and it happened to be at St. Andrews, a milestone 150th anniversary. So on one of golf's grandest stages, one of its greatest tournaments of, in, in history, and Tiger is back, not playing like Tiger did. But for Tiger to have the moments that he had leading up to it. I mean, there was a lot of chronicling of Tiger Woods arriving in Europe, in Scotland, and getting off the helicopter and walking around and walking the course. There was a lot of Tiger Woods over the past two weeks in Europe, right? And that seemed to temper the controversy with the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. And I think golf needed that. Golf needed Tiger Woods whether he was great or not, to have the presence that he had leading up to teeing off on, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then to have the pictures with Jack 
you know, on the bridge and walking the course and on on the range, all of those. That was that seemed to me once again to temper all of the controversy because the golf world could focus on Tiger Woods. Even the moment was it yesterday or two days ago when John Daly, being John Daly, you know, walks up to Tiger and they puts his smoky treat out first and then hugs him. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's just something so it was so endearing about seeing John Daly, who could I'm sure reveres Tiger Woods. But still, I think we all know John Daly is that guy who doesn't mind throwing in a heater, you know, at the most hallowed grounds in golf with probably, like you, a boat, a bag, you know, filled with an old fashioned. Right. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're probably withdrawal right now, not having a boat, a bag with old fashions at Sherman Field. But listen, 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 summer drinks are, are vodka lemonade. Let's get it right <laughs> if we're going to paint a picture of me. <laughs> This is so, coffee yeah. for our viewers. All right, it's not Jack yeah. coffee; it's coffee. Yeah, thank you, bro. See, see, Ed McMahon but, cup here. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? There, there have been so many important moments over the last two weeks that Tiger Woods has been able to be, as he was during the during the height of his career, bigger than the game. Mm-hmm. Very few athletes have ever been bigger than their game, even though they may say they're not and never were. They respect the game. Michael Jordan was bigger than basketball. Uh, Michael Jordan, the Bulls were bigger than basketball. Tiger Woods was bigger than the game of golf. You know, there are probably a few other athletes that you could, you know, Usain Bolt was bigger than the whole, you know, world track, you know, deal. But I think Tiger Woods, at least for the time being, is saving golf from itself because I do not believe the PGA Tour is innocent in all this. I think Phil Mickelson and Greg Norman exposed a lot especially when you see the money that's now flowing back into the PGA. It's like, where did that money come from? And that's mm-hmm. what those guys are talking about. But then you have this, you know, bad PR, Saudi back tour where all these guys are and all of this. And you've gotten, uh, what's his name? Martin uh, Blund- Blunder. Blunt- Blum- uh, can't remember. The, the guy who's in charge of the Royal St. Andrews and the, oh. uh, uh, the Royal Golf Association. But anyway, those moments with Tiger on the course, walking up 18 today, the tears, the, the the emotion from Tiger for really the first time ever, like that, that raw, you know, that's going to be the lasting image of at least this week in golf. And Tiger was able to orchestrate that, even though he didn't make the cut, isn't going to win. It was still, you know, a, a great moment for the sport and for sport that center, Tiger was able to do that. Center focus back on... The PGA. Well, you're a you grew up in, in a golf family, man. What yeah. what's your takeaway? We'll hear from Tiger here in a moment. But is it the championships that that image burnt into your mind, the lasting image, or is it today where he he may have been saying farewell? Obviously, the Masters win, uh, you know, in 2019 was incredible. I remember being a kid and, and talking to my grandpa, who's a big golfer. You know, and I remember asking him, you know, who's the best golfer in the world? And he said, no question, it's Tiger Woods. And, I mean, he held that for so long. I just think it's really cool to see him still out playing after everything he's gone through. And I'm taking it all in because uh, it could be very soon where we don't see him as much as we are right now. And I think everybody needs to watch uh, Tiger Woods at least uh, once. He was incredible. This uh, was Tiger with uh, the PGA media after uh, his uh, final 
18 today, missing the cut. Uh, it's a little longer snippet, about a minute here, but it's well worth the listen as uh, he reflected on the moments and even a little bit of that final walk mixed in here. Again, anytime you get the chance to come back and play the old course um, in the open, um, it's just it's just special. It really is. And as I uh, said to Tim, I've been lucky enough. I've been doing this since 1995, and uh, I, I don't know if I'll be physically able to, to play another British Open here at St. Andrews. I feel, certainly feel like I'll be able to play more British Opens, but I uh, don't know if I'll be able to around, you know, uh, when it comes back around here. So um, the warmth and the ovation on, at 18, it, it, it got to me. Um, uh, and just the walk, you know, I, I felt the guys stop there off, off the tee on 18. And I, it, uh, it was just incredible. The just amount of understanding and respect um, from all, all the people that are involved in, in this event that, that come out and support it, uh, the players, uh, the nods I was getting as the players were going out. Um, I looked over there and, you know, Rory gave me a tip of the cap. JT did the same. Um, it, it just, it's just there's something to it that's just different. Tiger Woods uh, will bring this back to uh, to Nebraska football, Bill, with uh, knowing when to, to walk away and knowing when to uh, to give it one more shot or, or keep going. And you were a, a big part of that 97 season with Coach Osborne when he decided to step away. We, we know that Coach had made a promise to, to Coach Solich uh, and, and kept his word, which is remarkable, uh, but not common. And you you lived that, I think, a T.O., I think, a Peyton Manning in the NFL, I think, a Larry Bird after he won gold, and I think of, of Kobe Bryant, uh, kind of four that are, that, that got it right. I choose to have my image of Jordan against Derek Russell versus Jordan uh, wearing bullets gear, <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, I, I tend to think of Bob Knight screaming in, in Hoosier Crimson versus Texas Tech sweaters. Uh, and then I, you know, boxing being in my family with my Uncle Morris and as close as he was to Muhammad Ali, I think of the 70s version of Muhammad Ali versus Muhammad Ali's last couple of fights where he got rocked. So it's interesting, but uh, just the, that whole year with T.O. here, got a couple of minutes this segment, but T.O. no win to, to get out. Well, I, when when Tom made that announcement, uh, I think it shocked everybody. I'm sure there were very there were a few people that knew, obviously, Frank and, and Tom's family. But when that announcement was made, that was a shocker. When you look back on it, you think, yeah, you, you, you went out on the highest possible note that you can, although there was still a game to play. You know, so we didn't know that you're going to go out and win a national championship. Although we were pretty sure that that group of guys was not going to lose that night uh, to Tennessee and they did not. Um, so, you know, Tom got to go out on the highest note. Now I've told you many times had I been the athletic director, Tom would still be the head football coach at Nebraska. We would not have gone through the last 25 years or whatever it's been. And he would be making well over the $125,000 a year that he was making back in the mid 1990s. But nevertheless, he did get a chance to go out on top, and people think, man, you know, that's that's a pretty good place to have your uh, lasting legacy. Uh, you know, and there, there are others that have walked away maybe at the, the height of their career. Sandy Koufax, if sure. you want to go back mm-hmm. in time in baseball, retired at, what, 31 or 32 and remains one of the great pitchers of all time and, you know, what, won 170 games in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry Sanders just got tired of play, playing for losing teams in Detroit and said, I'm out. 
<laughs> you know, nobody nobody faulted him for that because those teams were so bad. But uh, that's another one. But you're right. You know, there's so many boxers that sadly, you know, stick around because, you know, unfortunately, that may be the only life that they know. And you can think Ali, Roberto Duran, some guys like that that just hung on too long. Marvin Hagler walked away because he felt, you know, as though he was being uh, disrespected. I'm out. And, you know, he's probably one of the greatest of all time. But then you have some that hang on to Eddie Sutton, you know, finishing yeah. up at San Francisco, coaching basketball. I mean, it, it was great to see him get what was it, his milestone 800th win or something like that. Uh, that was tough for those of us who saw his great years at Oklahoma State. Andre the Giant probably stuck around too long, you know. But he ushered in the whole Colgan era by, you know, doing WrestleMania. But, but, by, by letting him get body slammed and, and, and not <laughs> chuck him into the third row. Bill yeah. Dolman, Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson will check in with Jacob Padilla. We'll dive into that Husker secondary, some of Travis Fisher's comments. Uh, Hail Varsity with you on a Friday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Storm Chasers fans, suit up. My spidey senses are tingling. July 22nd is Marvel Night. While the ballplayers are wearing Black Panther jerseys, you too can be repping your favorite Avenger. My all-time favorite is Iron Man. Outside of the fact that he's downright awesome, his wit and sarcastic nature is similar to mine. So essentially, I am Iron Man. Thor will also make an appearance that night. When you say hi to him, make sure to say, Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? He loves that. Come be a superhero and watch the Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs. Get your tickets now. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time on a Friday at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Christian Will Wilson in for Elijah Herbal today. Bill Dolman hanging out the next uh, hour and a half, unless he just wanders off. We welcome in Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Reminder, we're on the road tomorrow for the weekend edition, uh, 7 to 9 out at Woodland Hills. Tyson's Treasure Chest, tee off for Treasures. A wonderful foundation to help fight pediatric brain cancer with Jeremiah Searles and company. So we're going to be out on the back deck, uh, weather permitting, tomorrow uh, for Tyson's treasure chest. Tee off for treasures. Excited to be back a part of that. Jacob, what's the good word? Is that a Suns shirt you've got on? Indeed it is. Got the Uh, summer suns playing today. That that is good. Are are you excited that uh, your sons uh, have... uh, Decided to keep uh, DeAndre Ayton uh, at uh, at the man in the paint uh, and, and maybe not go after KD. Let's start with NBA real quick. Yeah, well, uh, they couldn't let him go for nothing. Right. So, like, I I got their hesitancy about offering the the five year designated rookie extension last year, and um, so like this whole this whole uh, I guess process has kind of been bizarre and a little awkward, and especially the way kind of the end of the season, that game seven and the press conference afterward. Uh, you, had, you didn't know, like, it, was he really going to be back? Was there going to be a sign and trade? But ultimately, they couldn't replace him. They couldn't upgrade at that position. They couldn't make a move to put themselves in as good or better uh, p- position uh, to, to challenge uh, without him. So they brought him back, and we'll see We'll see what else they, they can do to kind of try to gear up to, to make another championship. But it was pretty pretty much once he signed that deal, they had no choice. Like they they had to match it. They couldn't they couldn't let him go. Is he going to make as much money with the Suns as Sean Miller paid him at Arizona? 
Wow. A good question. <laughs> um, That's a I, no I comment. He, uh, yeah, th this is the second contract that he is going for, so I do think uh, he, he got a raise. Uh, <laughs> the rookie deal was probably more comparable. <laughs> uh, Jacob, I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, Armand uh, Gates heading off to Oregon. Uh, surprised uh, by the, that move. I know I'm a week late on it, but I haven't talked to you, like I said. Uh, your take on that? I know Dana's happy to have him. It, yeah, it's. I, I guess just the timing, uh, how late it happened, is it, it kind of seemed like, I think you thought you, he was kind of on the, all right, look out what's going to happen with him this offseason, mm -hmm. uh, just based on how things have gone. And he was the one guy that didn't have a pre-existing relationship with Fred Hoiberg, decided to keep him on staff, uh, hold over from Tim Miles' staff. So um, you kind of wonder, especially when, when his brother got a new job, you wondered would he, he join that staff. But uh, oddly enough, uh, the, what triggered the, this process was Omaha uh, uh, parting ways with Darren Hansen and hiring Chris Crutchfield, which created the opening on Dane Altman's mm. staff that ended up being filled by Armand Gates. So um, it's kind of a ne Nebraska university system <laughs> Uh, one's benefiting and others uh, uh, took a loss from it. But so I not terribly surprised I, that, again, the timing is a little difficult because, I mean, everybody's most of the way through their summer workouts right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, he had to Fred Hoiberg had to put together a list of candidates to look at because he just hired a new assistant in uh, Adam Howard. So he at least has done some homework looking around at potential uh, his assistant hire coaches. So he's not starting from scratch. And Dana did keep him in the loop, apparently, like as he was going through his process, letting know, hey, we're looking, we're looking at Armand here. So it, what, he wasn't completely caught off guard when Armand decided to make that move and, um, uh, and he left. So I think Fred's, he said when, when we spoke with him uh, earlier this week that he's, not looking to rush it. Um, he, I think at this point he's fine kind of closing out this last couple of weeks of, of their summer session. And then they've got a, a break after that. Um, the players are going to go home and um, kind of relax a little bit before they come back to campus to get ready for the semester. So I think that's probably the window where he's looking to, to really get this uh, finalized, figure out, all right, who's going to fill that spot. Let's get them in here. Let's get them acclimated and, um, then once the players get back to campus and they can start building those relationships and uh, incorporating in that way. So, um, yeah, it's going to be difficult uh, at this point. But uh, Fred, like I said, already has a list, I'm sure, to, to work off of. And he's continuing to add to that and considering, all right, who, who would be a good fit for what we need now, considering what our staff uh, looks like right now with the changes they've already made. Um, so we'll have to see kind of how that plays out and who Hoiberg is able to land here to round out his staff. Last basketball thought, your take on what McGowan's is doing for Charlotte uh, so far this summer. Yeah, it's, it's certainly been up and down. And it's kind of one good performance, one bad performance. Uh, he, he had a pretty good debut. I think he scored 21 in that first game. Uh, then followed it up with a two for 14 shooting performance. Then uh, game three, scored 24, was five of six from three, seven of 10 overall. So, the shot was looking good, had that kind of between the legs step back. He had, I think, three of those in the game. That's clearly a shot that he's comfortable with, that he works on uh, a lot on his own in between games and all that. So, um, and, and then kind of on the back-to-back, -back, uh, the shot just wouldn't go down from him yesterday. So um, I, I think he's shown 
basically, I, I don't know that what he's shown in the summer league so far should be any surprise. I think it's about what I, I'd expect. Uh, you certainly see the highs and, uh, and what he's capable of as a scorer, the different ways that he's able to get downhill, be crafty around the basket, shoot the ball off the dribble. Um, but then you've also seen the games where he hasn't able to finish through any kind of contact at the rim, um, where the jumper's not falling, um, hasn't, I, I thought he was making some good uh, plays for his teammates, even though the shot wasn't falling in that game yesterday, he had some really good passes that maybe the shot didn't go down. So didn't end up in the stat sheet as an assist, but I thought he made some good reads. So that's probably something that I, I think Charlotte would like to see to, to see him continue to find ways to make an impact whether the shot's falling or not. But overall, I think it's it's about what I what I would have expected from him. Not not great, not terrible. Showing both his upside and what he has to work on. Jacob, I want to steer you back to, to the Huskers real quick. And, and we talked last week, and I wasn't surprised by Armand taking the opportunity to to go win a Mountain West title, which is going to be a lot easier than winning the Big Ten. So that's why you go to Oregon. But anyway. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you know, he's got he's got head coaching material all over. But with Nebraska. You look at that roster, and there are, what, nine, ten new guys. And chemistry's got to be a question mark. And now you're talking about going into the coaching transfer portal to bring somebody in this late in the summer. How does Fred Hoiberg, who's a very calm guy, never too high, never too low, so I'm sure he has a plan, but looking at this team, how in the world do they develop any semblance of chemistry when you've got Derek Walker coming back, who could be one of the better big men of the Big Ten, I think, next year. But how does Nebraska develop any chemistry going into the season without having it be a work in progress beginning in mid-November when they actually hit the court together? And, and that, that certainly is a challenge they're going to have to work through. And that's part of why the, the timing is so difficult with the, the coaching change. Um, and Armand was a guy that was really liked in that program. He connected well with the players. He was a constant positive um uh, just uh, uh, just po- he brought positivity to their gym uh, presence is the word I was trying to think of. Jeez, uh, but he's, he's just always kind of uplifting, always bringing the energy. He was uh, active in their their workouts and all that stuff. So um, they talked about there was kind of an emotional meeting when he let them know that he is moving on, just because um, he's a guy that had been there he'd been there longer than anybody else in the program. Um, again, the one holdover. So. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they do incorporate the new guy, what his fit is, kind of what his role will be early on, um, who they find to fill that position. But you mentioned Derek Walker, and I think that is a big key to have a guy like him back. And they've added some veterans like Sam Griesel and Emmanuel Bandemel, guys that have been around college basketball a long time. A guy like Griesel, who is uh, very invested in doing everything he can to, to make this thing work and to help this program, to help this community. Um, I mean, every offseason you talk about oh, the chemistry is great, all this type of stuff, but um, we're hearing that again. But there's also uh, specific things like you hear like Derek Walker talking about, well, um, like not saying that it was bad before, but like there were times last year where I thought I was the only, I felt I was the only one talking. And this year you've got, he hears other voices when he's speaking up in practice and um, you, you hear guards that are, um, stepping up and talking to the younger guards, a guy like Bandamel or, or Greasel, as a, and whereas it's not bad to have like a big guy like Walker like talking and correcting a, a younger guard, but it just means that much more when it's a, a guy at his own position that has played that can that offers that kind of insight. So um, that's what we're hearing right now. That uh, at least the communication is good. The guys are connecting. 
you notice that uh, I think if you pay attention to their social presence at all, these guys are doing a lot more like team activities out in the community, um, whether it's camps, whether it's just kind of being present in the community, doing kind of charity work. You're seeing these guys out there together like every week. I think there's there's something new um, where there's a chance for these guys to go connect off the court to go do some good in the community. And I think they're hoping that all of that will kind of build up to once we get onto the court in the fall, that they'll already have good connections um, and uh, we'll be able to kind of build off of that and build that on-court chemistry. And having the core pieces, uh, Derek Walker back, CJ Wilcher back, uh, Wilhelm Breidenbach just started doing uh, contact work. He, he just got cleared to um, get back out there and actually um, go five on five and apparently had a dunk uh, in the, their live work that, uh, that fired up the, the team a little bit. Um, that it was really cool for them to just see him out there after everything he's gone through. So, um, yeah, they've got some new pieces to incorporate, but it is easier, I think, some of those pieces being veterans that have come from winning programs. Maynard Bandamel played at an SMU team that uh, that had, has had some success over the last couple of years. That was a really good defensive team, and that's where he's going to – I think they're really going to rely on him as a guy that knows how to fit into uh, top 60 defense in the country. Sam Griesel um, was part of the best defensive team in, in the Summit League and a team that was right up there competing for a conference title with South Dakota State the last few years. He's played in the NCAA tournament. So I think all of those factors are hoping will make it easier for these guys to come together once they get to the actual season. And Fred's talked about that. Like he, He's uh, excited to have guys that have won at multiple levels. Even some of the high school guys that have got coming in are guys that won championships in high school that have been part of winning cultures. And he's hoping bringing all that together will allow them to kind of click and find ways to, to make the winning plays that this program, that players in this program just haven't made the last few years. Jacob Adilla with us uh, all over the hardwood as uh, we're talking some basketball, NBA and, and Husker basketball uh, at Jacob Badilla underscore. Jacob, we'll uh, catch up with you next week, bud, uh, gearing up towards Indy and media days and uh, lots to talk about with Husker football. We'll get there next time. Thanks for the time and keep rocking that Suns gear, all right? <laughs> all right, will do. Thanks. Good to see Jacob again. Appreciate him. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla. Our interviews posted ESPNLincoln.com. Uh, the on-demand section, we are streaming live, so feel free to interact on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Watch us. Uh, I, I look all right. Dolman's Dolman, and then Willie Jay's rocking the uh, tribute to the, the Big Eight. Uh, also, Facebook Live. 
at uh, ESPN Lincoln. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Uh, welcome to join. We'll hit some Oscar football uh, to, to wrap this hour. Open phone still five. ESPN College Football Analyst Kelly Stauffer coming up shortly after five. Uh, PGA Insider Chris Elgert going to join us at uh, 525 get his take on what could be tiger's final act uh well he thinks for sure it uh well not for sure but he thinks it uh it uh uh, royal and ancient but you know what's what's the future look like for tiger we'll have uh mr elgert get his crystal ball out as well he know as he knows the personalities and the uh, insides and outs of, of pro golf can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So when we talk position groups, Bill and Will, where where does the secondary rank for you guys as concern or comfort? And I ask this because we're on the heels of the the network having kind of their, their rundown through position breakdowns with position coaches, and I always love listening to, to Coach Travis Fisher and and when it's kind of a, a round table, uh, just kind of cozying up as close as I can get. It's usually pretty crowded, and just soaking in his knowledge and his honesty uh, about what he expects from his guys and what he demands. And if you look at consistency, Nebraska's arguably most consistent part of their football team has been the secondary. And you've seen guys go on uh, beyond Nebraska. You've seen a guy that at one point was immature that's still in the league at a Lamar Jackson. You saw Cam Taylor Britt uh, get picked as high as he did, and you saw him as a converted quarterback that Coach Chins loved down in Alabama uh, get brought in and play some safety and then do his thing at corner, right? Uh, you, you have Deontay uh you have Deontay Williams that is is a guy that's in the Seattle system, uh, uh, a prospect that that Pete Carroll really likes and, and has a chance to stick and stay. And then you saw the secondaries do some work down at Central Florida. So Coach Fisher's got a really good eye for talent, but he's he's got a, a real demand for development. Just some news and notes. Uh, Omar Brown, the Northern Iowa transfer, has been working at safety. You've got a tight race because you've got two safeties in Dismuke and Deontay. You've got to replace those guys on the back end. Miles Farmer, has, when he's played, he's been uh, in the right spot, and, and he's, he's got a pretty good interception-to-start ratio in his career at Nebraska. He's had uh, an interception or two. I think back to that Northwestern game where he came in and, and had to start due to a, due to a targeting penalty. Uh, you have uh, Marquise Buford that's that's doing well, and then the the newcomer Deshaun Singleton, and this is where uh, Coach Fisher uh, decided to, to spend a few minutes on on the young pup. Uh, Singleton is somebody that man uh, has come in and could contribute real early, uh, and and maybe do more than just contribute. You know, the, I think the thing with the secondary. Uh, it, it reminds me of what I thought about the offensive line, that you've got to have depth and you've mm-hmm. got to have, you know, guys who can step in and not just be a body, but to be somebody who would be a second uh, number two on a depth chart who could be a starter. And I think that he has probably developed that group m- m- 
better than anybody. I shouldn't say better than anybody. He's been the coach. But I think that that group has probably had more playable depth the mm-hmm. last couple That's of good years. Um, and, but I think that this might be, gosh, I hate to say on paper, on paper, the most athletic secondary I think that we have seen in decades. And I think the depth is there. The competition for playing time is going to be uh, much greater. I think practices are going to be incredibly spirited. And if you're going to play in, you know, in, against some teams that like to throw the football around and you've got some uh, depth, then I, I think Nebraska is in a pretty good situation. That's, that's like the one area on the field where you really don't worry about it all that much because you think that's a, that's a pretty good group, even though you got some newcomers. But that just seems to be one where – starter and second teamers might be fairly interchangeable provided you can stay healthy i'd love to see javen right mm-hmm. just because i remember dad toby was um, incredible i'd love to see you know yeah i'd love to see javen right be healthy and be the kind of player that everybody hoped he was going to be when he was recruited and signed and it was going to be the legacy to come home and that has not worked out but i think that'd be that'd be a really fun addition but i i do that's one when you look at this team you go I think they're actually pretty solid back there. It's not a huge concern. Well, and guys, think of the ask right now. Think of what you're trying to, to reload with. You, you've got to find a corner that was as good, and the second half of his season was phenomenal in Cam Taylor-Britt. And how good was JoJo Doman? I mean, JoJo Doman was incredible. Was incredible against the run, was great at setting the edge, was good for a TFL when you needed it. His his swan song was at Ohio State game, and and he was so incredible. And it, it stinks you can't have him more, but you had him <laughs> you had him six years. I like how Fisher, and and he's so direct with his guys, so he's not going on the radio and putting anybody on blast unannounced. But there is a, a higher ceiling for Farmer, and he's had the most playing time, and he's a big kid. Farmer's a a big kid. And he laid it out there last night. He he has the knowledge and he has that edge over some of the younger pups. But because you have that knowledge, he needs to be and play faster. And that's one thing that I think, I don't know if you've noticed, Will, in the spring game or in some of the ball games, when we look at tackling angles or coming up against the run and some run support, Farmer's a big body. He's a tough dude. And, and when he gets there he'll he'll make an impact he'll make a tackle but there's been some times where it's it's not that he's gotten worse at tackling I'm not calling him out like that but he's he needs to be as as good as he was early on if that makes sense it seemed like he's more of a sure tackler bill early in his career uh but that competition is is gonna force that cream to go to the top with Either you uh, you seize this gig and you fend off all comers, or we have other options uh, at that safety spot. And 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 fish, I mean he he cross trained. You're going to play corner. You're going to play safety, and and you're going to be physical. I I don't know what what nickel will look look like. I know Isaac Gifford's a hell of a good football player, and he has a, a lot of talent. And he's playing. He's a smart smart kid. Great family. So Fish likes his maturity with that talent. Uh, Chris Kolarovic, uh, he's working. He's a, he's a smart football player. And, and while he may not have some of those physical gifts, his 
football IQ allows him to play a little bit faster. So those are the couple of options. We'll get a comment from Coach Fisher here before we say goodbye this first hour. Winding down uh, 4 o'clock here on Hale Varsity. Kelly Stauffer, 15 minutes away. Hale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Bill Dolman in for another hour unless he runs away. Will Wilson's, well, he can't go anywhere. Chris Schmidt, good to spend time with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, talking about position groups you feel best about, even though you lost 75% of a lot of career starts. Travis Fisher and his secondary uh, look to be uh, ready to rock and roll here for 2022. We'll dive a little deeper into the outlook for 2022. Bill, have a thought on that next hour. Kelly Stauffer. Kelly's seen quite a few Nebraska games over the last few years. We were fortunate enough to catch up with him at uh, Minnesota last year. I, I know he's done a number of Nebraska games over the years, and he even had the call a few years back uh, in Ireland uh, pre-pandemic where he was over there with uh, part of the ESPN crew. So I'm anxious to get his take on that uh, just from a distraction standpoint. I know I'll be finding my way to Guinness, but uh, I can. <laughs> I've got a couple <laughs> shows to deal with and, uh, and, then, uh, and then go cover the game. Uh, let's, uh, let's hear from Travis Fisher on Deshaun Neal right now and uh, just – what that prospect's uh, been doing here and, and how spring went and what kind of springboard that can be. Man, it was huge to be able to bring Deshaun here because give me so much flexibility and depth in the safety, safety and then also give me a, a big safety um, that can run and cover. So a lot of people, I don't know if you're aware of, but the kid played corner, you know, played corner, played a lot of corner in junior college. So he played a lot of corner and he played a lot of safety. So being able to get a guy like him and then um, this spring, I think he was starting off slow like he should because he's learning the safety. You know, the quarterback of the defense got a lot to know. They, uh, they got a ton of stuff, and it's not going to be you jump right in here and know it. Um, but he works extremely hard in that spring game, man. I was so proud of him in that spring game. He looked like a day one guy playing the position in that spring game. So he did some really nice things in the spring game. I, I wished after the spring game, I was saying to myself, driving back home, I said, man, I wish we can just re-up another 15, 15 more because this kid here, um, he, was, he, was starting to, he was starting to cross that path where he, he, can, he can easily start here. You know, every defensive coordinator and staff guys strive to have the matchup advantage and forever the offense knows where the ball's going and you have a guy like Percy Harvin uh, that was a hybrid right Uh, just one that's kind of recent memory uh, where you can hand him the ball you can throw him the ball he can kill you on a return and that's that Uh, well defenses have tried to get that hybrid type guy you think of Jojo you think of a guy that uh, like Deshaun that can play corner, but man, he's going to give you size and athleticism. Now you can dictate or not panic, really, Bill. If you get the right dudes in and they know their jobs, uh, you can dictate the dictate the matchups and and take away that tight end, take away that slot, take away 
that running back out of the backfield. I mean, think how many years and how many times offenses have gone to work on opposing defenses because of that matchup issue. Well, boy, you go back to the, you know, decades ago in football and you have you know, a cornerback on one receiver and a cornerback on the other side of the field and two safeties are back and that's just the way it was. Mm. But now you've got players that are kind of positioned all over the place in certain sets defensively. And again, if you have the depth where your second you know, unit has the capability of starting or being a starter in a certain package, and they know when they come to practice on Monday or Tuesday that if they work hard through the week, they're going to get their reps. They're going to get a chance to play. That's what's significant. So I think that's what's great for Nebraska and Travis Fisher is that they have playable depth this year. Good stuff. Hour two is on the way. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Bill Dolman in today, and Will Wilson sitting in. Big thanks to Will uh, for his time. We say hi to ESPN College football analyst uh, Kelly Stauffer with us and uh, pride of Rushville, Nebraska. Kelly, thanks for a few minutes. Appreciate you jumping on. How are you? I'm doing fine, guys. It's good to catch up with you. How is everyone at the eastern end of the state. Well, it's about a thousand degrees and a heat advisory of one hundred six. Uh, what's what's the temp? Your uh, your neck of the woods. Very similar, as a matter of fact. So I'm in where it's so air conditioned that I'm thinking about putting on a light jacket. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that time of the year. Uh, to a daytime, right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's it's warm outside, but the air's uh, feeling good in the year. Kelly, I want to pick your brain on some college football broad topics and also uh, some local concerns or questions. We'll start with Nebraska first. And you've had a chance uh, with your work as an analyst at ESPN to see Nebraska several times, and, and we're already into year five in the Scott Frost era. Lots of pressure, lots lots of tension mounting for this upcoming season. And uh, I'd like to get your take here. As you've seen Nebraska, what's what's your impression uh, of of the program right now as we head into year five? Uh, and uh, just overall, what what do you think? What do you think the program can be uh, in a fifth year under Scott? You know, it. We I met with you guys last year a couple mm-hmm. of times when I had Nebraska, and it was this. You know, it was this really really strange excuse me, paradigm where I don't know that I've ever really seen anything like what Nebraska has been the last couple of years, especially last year when they 
They just couldn't find a way to win winnable football games. And it was really strange that, you know, percentage-wise, at some point in time, those begin to trend your direction. And they just haven't yet for Nebraska and Scott Frost. So, you know, just from that standpoint, I would think Nebraska is one of those teams that could surprise people that kind of come out of nowhere to some extent. And just simply by winning, you know, your fair share of games like that. And so, you know, I, I believe in Scott Frost. I believe in, you know, kind of what he does and what he stands for. And I know he knows the game. Um, I know he keeps people around him that know the game. I think they, from all intents and purposes, seem to be recruiting, um, you know, well, recruiting in a way that will allow them to compete. Um, all of those things pointing the right direction. And so, you know, I, I think you start there. Kelly, how much does the, the, the freshness of Thompson now being a quarterback, or you got, you know, quality backup with Purdy, Logan's brothers having been around, but let's just focus on if it is Casey Thompson, just how much that can help Nebraska moving on from Adrian Martinez, who said at Big 12 Media Days the other day, look, it had run its course at Nebraska. I did all I could do. He was very cordial, I guess, in his comments. But just the freshness at QB with an experienced guy like that. I, I think that is a good point, Bill. And I think um, that is a good place to start. You know, I, I quite frankly, was a Taylor Martinez fan. I, um, I kept waiting for that moment when he turned the corner and really started to walk in all of the talent that I believe he truly has skill set wise at that position. But the reality is it just, it just did not happen. And you really got both ends of the spectrum. And we talked about this at length during the couple of games that we had um, Nebraska last season. Um, and he, you know, I guess the word is enigma for me because you had talent that, you obviously see why he's the quarterback, but yet literally the next breath, he may make a play that you just, you just wonder where it came from. And I know we were in Lincoln for the Purdue game and we looking back on this, it was, it was somewhat hilarious for us, but not maybe for Nebraska fans, but we were doing a, a segment in game about, a comment that Scott Frost made that he, that really Taylor Martinez is Scott Frost in a lot of ways without that, without that moment that kind of gets you over the hump to become a championship quarterback. And he's, you know, his career really lacked nothing except for that moment. Well, we were doing that on the air. We were, going to that package and he throws a pick six against Purdue, like literally in mid sentence. Well, that that's what I'm talking about. That's what kind of highlighted, you know, Taylor's um, career at Nebraska. And so I do think, I do think there's a point when you have to kind of turn the page 
And I don't know how it actually played out, you know, in the building, whether it was, you know, a hug and a pat on the back and, hey, it's, it's time to move along, or if Scott really did give Martinez the opportunity to come back again. You guys may know, you know, the in-house conversations more than I'm privy to, but I think it's a good good decision for both of them. I think Martinez at Kansas State with Coach Kleiman – um, it may be the change of scenery that he needs. And I do believe that Casey Thompson, if he's the guy, it's the same kind of thing for him. You know, coming from Texas, I think an opportunity to do something, um, you know, in a different environment may give him a shot in the arm as well. And so I do believe it was it was to that point that something had to be done and that's a good place to start. You know, when I, at this time of the year, when I'm, kind of going through my due diligence and, you know, kind of drilling down from, you know, from the, you know, in the top 25, the top 40, and then you get specifically into teams and then more specifically into or conferences and then more specifically into teams. I mean, that's where I began in analyzing teams. You start with, do they have a championship quarterback? And then can they compete on the line of scrimmage? both sides, and then you move, you move back and you move out from there. But if you can't answer question number one affirmatively, do you have a quarterback that can win? Then you have problems. Then you're always making up for other things. And, and so Nebraska has to answer that. I think a good place to start would be Taylor Martinez getting a new address, and that's happened. And now what? And, you know, obviously it remains to be seen whether Casey is that guy or not. Kelly Stoffers with us, ESPN College football analyst, talking Nebraska outlook for 2022 with uh, with Adrian gone. And you have uh, a new quarterback to pick from. That's That's a great starting point. What do you get out of quarterback play? Kelly, what do you know about Coach Whipple? Did you see Pitt much at all? And if not, no worries. But it's a new offense and uh, a new offensive line coach, a new running backs coach. Mickey Joseph's the receivers coach. So there's a lot of new on the offensive side of the ball. And Scott is kind of handing those keys over to to Whipple, who's coached Roethlisberger uh, to a Super Bowl, and, and he's been around the college game quite a bit. Can it work this quickly in year one? I, I think that's uh, as big a question and maybe even bigger than who is your quarterback. I think there will be quarterback options that that will work at Nebraska. Um, remains to be seen, obviously, who, who that will be. But Mark Whipple was an interesting choice as far as I'm concerned. I like what he did. I like his resume. We, we actually had Pitt. Um, in their bowl game, and you know it's a it's a really a pro style type of presentation, much more than what you would have been seeing at Nebraska recently. And so, how does that work with where Scott was coming from schematically on the offensive side of the ball? Um, in his tenure at Nebraska up to this point. That was my first question is, hmm, 
you know, how long, I mean, it, it can work because both men are, you know, very talented. Um, but that's the big question. How quickly can it work? And that's what Nebraska needs. They need it to work like, like yesterday. Yeah. You know, they need it to work in Dublin, like right out of the gate. Um, however, I would say this, you know, being around coaches that are good at what they do, um, they're great coaches are really good at simply adapting to what you have to do in order to put your best players in position to be successful. And so that's why I think that, you know, over the last few months that Coach Whipple and, and Scott Frost and this new offensive staff, by and large, you know, they, they're, not, they're not ignorant about how you win football games. And so you, you kind of put all your chips into the middle of the table and, you know, you decide what your core values are going to be on the offensive side, you know, what has to, you know, what has to stay you know, what you have to have, um, what has to go. Some things that Scott would have probably liked um, may not be that prevalent anymore. And then some things that Coach Whipple wants to have or has to have, um, you know, that has to win out because he's going to be the play caller. So, you know, all of that is going to be, I think, really, really good theater in Lincoln. And hopefully for the faithful Nebraska fans, um, you know, it comes together, to, together quickly, and they win a lot of football games. Kelly, we only have a couple of minutes here, so uh, this is kind of tough to do a big-picture question in just uh, two or three, but I know that you are involved in the high-level meetings with the Big Ten and the SEC and ESPN, putting everybody where they need to be. <laughs> wow. Uh, so we appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I'm in course, the middle of making those decisions, yes. <laughs> well, of course, I said this was going to happen in 2004, so I'm, I'm pretty relaxed anyway, and I know you're on your ranch with a six-pack of hams. But yeah, but as, as we go into the, but specifically as we go into this college football season, Nebraska, as I said, is on the beach with a pina colada. They, they have a home. And they're going to be getting some big checks, and they know it. But if you're Clemson and Florida State and Miami and Oregon and Washington, you have to be going into this year and maybe the next year wondering, there's a lot of outside noise, and we don't know. That has to, isn't that going to have an impact on on-field on performance maybe this year and until things settle down? Yeah, that's going to be, I think that's going to be interesting to see how it impacts things on the field. You know, I mean, that's also the coach's responsibility to make sure all of that noise doesn't actually get to get to the product on the field. But, but, you know, as well as I do this day and age, players are so aware of everything. You know, the way that they communicate via social media stuff, you name what platform, um, which, you know, when we were all, you know, growing up and in the middle of this, we didn't, we didn't have those things. You know, if someone didn't find a way to get a hold of me via literally writing a letter or, or calling me on the phone, I didn't know anything about any of it. <laughs> and so... I don't know. I, I don't really believe it's going to impact the product on the field a lot. But I think what it what it is going to impact is 
is the recruiting side of it where players are kind of biding their time to, to kind of see what the next chess piece moves look like. Because, you know, what conference do I want to play in? What's going to be my best situation? You know, if I'm going to Clemson, um, does it really matter? Or does it matter if I'm going to be playing in the ACC or maybe the SEC um, by the time I'm a sophomore in college? I think that's going to be some of the interesting fallout in all of this. But, you know, we saw this coming. And you, you said 2004, and you may be earlier on it than I ever was, but this, the writing was on the wall for a significant amount of time that there was going to be, you know, chairs in the, the Titanic were going to be arranged multiple times before we finally settle into what the new paradigm in college football and college sports really as a whole is going to look like. You could really take a knife in Division One sports and cut it in half and say the top 64, you guys are going to be rearranged somehow. We don't know exactly how, but you're going to be rearranged and have three or four super conferences, and you're going to control all the television money, and God bless you. And then the rest, you know, the bottom 64 in, in Division One, you you got to find something else to do because that's just the way – that it's going to work. And I think we're in the midst of seeing that come out um, in a big way. And it's probably going to look significantly different here in a couple more months. Kelly Stauffer with us. Kelly, about 10 seconds, bud. Who do you open with? No idea yet. (laughs) Um, We haven't gotten our marching orders. I know I'm not going to be in Dublin with you guys. Other than that, um, I don't know what I'm going to be doing yet. I mean, ESPN hasn't released any of our stuff. We're getting word we're supposed to be hearing in the next few days, but um, to be determined. Well, appreciate you making time as always and great insight. Uh, We'll talk again soon and have a great weekend, okay? Yeah, thank you guys. You as well. Hope to see you in Lincoln somewhere in the fall. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Kelly Stauffer on Nebraska and uh, the landscape of college football. Bill Dolman in today, Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, and uh, we welcome in uh, PGA insider and uh, teacher and recruiter uh, Zach Johnson and a guy we'd love to turn to to talk some golf, Chris Elgert with us at Chris Elgert on Twitter. Chris, good to spend some time with you today. Thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing great. Schmitty, how are you? We are good, man. And uh, you uh, love the game of golf. Uh, you, you, you taught it. You coached it. You recruited it. You uh, no doubt analyze it. What did Tiger's Walk do? Take us through uh, what you were doing when, when uh, the applause and the, the cap tips happened for, for one Mr. Woods. Well, I was, I was like everybody. I mean, I, I uh, was up at 3.30 this morning to 
to watch the start in hopes of, of you know, him catching lightning in a bottle today and maybe doing something to get back, at least make the cut. But uh, um, when that was pretty obvious that that wasn't going to happen, then obvious, you know, then we knew that it was um, going to be a unique walk. I, I, I don't think he's done. I really don't. And I think, I think St. Andrews will acquiesce to him and, and move up their time frame to get it back in the next, uh, you know, five or six years. They're only three years out right now. And I know Tiger in his press conference afterward uh, talked about it coming back there in eight years, but um, they did it for Jack. They moved it up for Jack when Jack said he wasn't going to play again after 2000. And so he could have one more walk in 2005. And, and uh, honestly, I think they'll do the same for Tiger. I think if Tiger's still showing that he's, you know, going to try and compete at the major level, um, you know, I could I could see the RNA wanting to move it up to St. Andrews to give him a, a final hurrah. Chris, uh, this is Bill Dolman. I I mentioned earlier that you know I thought Tiger Woods for the time being has kind of saved golf from itself with all the controversy with the PGA Tour and the LIB Tour and all that's going on and and seeing him what he did the last two weeks leading up to this, you know, the, the helicopter landing in Scotland and the high-fiving and the hug with John Daly, which was funny, and then the emotional pictures with Jack, and then the walk-up 18 today. You know, it, it, it's it's so interesting to see where he was at the beginning of his career when he ignited golf, but now it seems as though he is, this is my opinion, saving it in another way. How meaningful is it to the game for him to be at least trying to do what he's doing at this stage of life and all that he's gone through? Well, I mean, you know, he's a medical marvel. And, and to be honest with you, he was before the wreck. And then what he's done since the wreck is even more incredible. Um, you know, to have as many back surgeries and knee surgeries and fusions. And, you know, I, I unfortunately suffer from some back issues uh, similar um, you know, to, to have him be able to play before the accident was almost amazing. And for him to win the Masters in 2019 like he did is just, I mean, it's almost godlike. But, uh, you know, for what he went through and the fact that he was almost, you know, he was going to, he, he was at a point where he could have lost that leg. And then for them to put him back together just so he could walk and live um, a normal, somewhat normal life, um was incredible and for him to be playing in major championships again is is almost unbelievable um but what he's doing you know as as uh it, it was 20 you know good 20 years of him um being fairly guarded and you know and answering things um in a way that you never really got inside of the tiger woods circle um but you know with with everything that he's faced. And I think, I think being a parent has changed him uh, just as much as the accidents and things um, that, you know, that it's, it's wonderful to see him in a position where he feels that emotion. Um, you know, I don't think uh, playing this event, walking down 18, missing a cut, if, if some of the things he hadn't experienced wouldn't have got to him like they did. And, and um, you know, and, and then for him to, be as open as he can be about where the state of the game is and what's going on, uh, you know, in, in his opinion, um, then, you know, I, he carries a, he carries a significant amount of weight because he's, you know, he's truly Jack and, and Jack and Arnie changed the game and made it the way it, the way it is. Um, as far as, you know, 
television and, and big money, but Tiger Woods took that to another stratosphere. And, you know, and he took it to a stratosphere globally uh, that was, you know, that just quite honestly wasn't there. The game was, prior to Tiger Woods, was, you know, somewhat of an American game and a European game. Um, and now with, with him, it's a worldwide game. Um, and, you know, at his prime, he was the most recognizable athlete in the world. And you just, that just doesn't come along. That's generational stuff. Um, you know, Jack was obviously recognizable, um, but not at the level that Tiger Woods is globally. We're talking to Chris Elgert, and Chris, I agree with you. I don't think Tiger is, is going to be done anytime soon. I mean, look at Tom Watson. He played at the Open until he was 65. He played at the Masters uh, the last time when he was 66. So do you expect Tiger to play, you know, all the way up until that age? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think I mean, you know, barring another setback um, or complications with the leg, I, I think we'll see him try to play major golf at least for the next I would say I don't think he'll play till he's 65 he just you know Tom Watson was blessed with a tremendous athleticism and and he didn't you know face all of these injuries um but I I could definitely see him playing until he's 55 um but I also you know one of the things about Tiger that's a little different I I don't think that um I don't think that he'll go out there just to just to be in a parade um, you know, I think he's going to have to get his game to a point where he feels like if he catches lightning in a bottle like Phil did at Kiowa last year or something along those lines that he thinks he could possibly win the golf tournament, then I think you'll see him. And, and I am, you know, based upon his performances this year, not, not this week, but this year, um, if he continues to get better and that leg gets stronger and he's, and he's uh, able to practice a little bit more, then I think he, he'll feel like he could still compete and play into his mid-50s. Chris Elgert with us, PGA Insider, Hale Varsity Radio. Chris, uh, let's turn our attention to uh, tomorrow or later today. You'll be putting the coffee on and, and, uh, and watching the, the third round. Uh, Smith uh, leads the way at minus 13. Rory's uh, within striking distance. DJ at minus 9. Uh, handicap it for us, bud. Uh, who do you like uh, at the turn here? Well, I mean, you know, Cam Smith is, has pushed it out there far enough that, um, you know, I, I think he sh- there's some great players, obviously, all the way through the field. But, um, you know, I really think you're going to – the winner's got to come from that top, you know, top 11 players. Um, I mean, I think you could go down to maybe seven, and that's probably a stretch. I mean, that's, that's got Cantley and Sagala and Scott and Gooch um, at seven under. But, you know, I mean, I'm just looking at the conditions. It's supposed to be relatively um, benign tomorrow. Their wind could come up, but they're only expecting winds between 10 and 15. And then, uh, again, uh, Sunday is supposed to be fairly mild with just light rains in the morning. So, you know, based upon the weather forecast and – the speed of the golf course already, it, it looks to me like the winner's going to be somewhere in that 18 to 20 under range. And, you know, so you when you look at where the field is now, um, that would take a, uh, some monumental golf if you're seven under par going into the weekend to try and get it, you know, to try and play the weekend 11 to 12 under par. So, um, you know, there's great players up and down the board. I mean, I don't think you could find a stronger leaderboard in golf. So, I think it probably more than likely will come from that top uh, top seven, which would include Scheffler at eight and Terrell Hatton at eight, 
DJ, Victor Hovland, Rory, um, Cameron Young, and, and Cameron Smith. Chris, uh, the, the, the Open has always been one of the great scenes in golf. If you go you know, way back when they used to allow, the, maybe they will <laughs> allow the crowds to file in behind the guys as they made their way up 18. It always seemed that you'd wake up on a Sunday and you'd see the gray and the blustery winds and you know, just a, a, a rough place to play. What are some of your favorite memories of, of the Open and watching it growing up to where we are now? And, and who do you think is, uh, you know, setting the stage to be the future of golf out of this, the pack that we have, especially with the split that there is right now? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, from a historical standpoint, I was always a Watson guy. I, I was kind of at the back end of Nicholas. I mean, I was into golf, obviously, um, you know, I was into golf starting kind of around that, you know, early 80s, mid 80s. So I remember Jack Wing winning at Augusta. But uh, I, was a, I was a Tom Watson guy. I think our connections with Kansas City and him being from the Midwest, I was a big Watson fan. So his five victories, I remember almost every one of them um, as a kid. And so, you know, and, and then obviously the historic stuff, Tiger, you know, completing his uh, – slam in 2000 and um obviously my connection was zach winning in in 15 um at st andrews is is obviously the closest thing um and the, and the most memorable for me uh and the most emotional for me so but you know i i think of where the golf is golf is headed um i think rory is is the guy who's going to take it for the next uh, 10 to 15 years. And, and I think he's a guy who he won't get to tiger's level, but I think because, um, he is from Ireland and he lives in the United States and he's so articulate and he's, um, so highly respected that he's going to be the one that's going to be kind of driving it at least for the PGA tour. Um, as far as the young talent, there's, there's just so many, and there's going to be I, I would, you'd never could put anybody in the same category category as Tiger Woods because he truly changed it. But I follow junior golf still because I have some players, my kids play. And, and so I see the highest level of junior golf throughout the world. And, and um, to be honest with you, the amount of talent that's coming forward in the game of golf and is there now, I mean, we're seeing it with the Cameron Youngs and the Taylor Gooches and the Victor Hovlands and, and, you know, the, Zalatoris's and and the guys who are quite honestly um, even Cantlay and Sagala and those guys that are you know in their young in their early twenties or mid twenties um, are only going to be followed by the next generation of golfers. There'll be there'll be ten or fifteen household names that are you know twelve to eighteen years old right now that we don't really know about uh, or that the golf world doesn't know about, but they soon will. Um, and the amount of athleticism and talent that's coming is, is quite honestly unbelievable. And, and, and one of the reasons why I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of problems with what's going on with Liv and where that money's coming from and how um, they're pushing back against the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Uh, but I, I do believe that there's space, and I do believe that the game of golf has gotten so popular that, um, my hope is, is that they can stop kind of some of the, the childish stuff and uh, come to terms where, you know, it could be something that grows the game. I think the way it's being handled right now, I don't believe that it's, you know, in the best interest of the overall game of golf. 
um, and that it is somewhat of a, just a money grab, but hopefully um, calmer heads will prevail and, and the smart people that are uh, the golf game is surrounded by can come to a conclusion that, that betters the, the game of golf worldwide and allows some of these great players that are coming an opportunity to showcase their abilities. Chris Elgert with us, PGA Insider. Chris, awesome to get caught up, man. Thanks for your insight and expertise today, bud. You bet, man. Good to hear from you. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Chris Elgert, PGA Insider, talking Tiger, the PGA and the future of golf last segment, uh, Kelly Stoffer, ESPN College football analyst, also kicked off this hour. Bill Dolman, pride of Fairbury, wearing that pride of Fairbury T-shirt. The Fighting Jeffs, Will Wilson uh, in studio. Chris Schmidt, don't forget tomorrow we are out at Woodland Hills. The tee-off for Treasures uh, golf tournament uh, benefiting and fundraising to fight uh, pediatric brain cancer. Jeremiah Searles. Uh, a proud board member with uh, Tyson's treasure chest. So we'll be live 7 to 9 tomorrow morning uh, before it gets too wicked hot. And uh, always a great time out there at Woodland and a chance to uh, spread the word and uh, help the fight uh, against pediatric brain cancer. Uh, numbers to get in here, open phones till 6466-3776 or 800-825-5865. We're streaming live. StreamYard helps us uh, connect uh, west to the Rockies with the Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, uh, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter feed up, and uh, you can see our our smiling faces. Bill, pretty good sit down with a friend of ours, Mitch Sherman, as he caught up with Trev Alberts uh, when it comes to NIL, uh, Frosty's metrics, conference realignment, and and pretty uh, as Trev is, pretty cut and dry, straight shot with. Uh, expectations and uh, Nebraska and and year five I know we're 45 44 days uh, away from kickoff but the uh, the importance of of Northwestern and the the right foot part of this 2022 season uh, continues to grow and grow and grow but uh, really really good sit down and and, uh, interview uh, by Mitch with Trev you know it's great about Trev and when he got hired with what a year ago yesterday, I think mm-hmm. was uh, was when he was introduced. You know, look, I've known Trev since he was a player, um, and I thought it was a great hire. And and I'm I'm even more uh, strong, uh, stronger in my convictions about that after watching him from a little bit afar, but also reading very uh, closely what's been going on in Nebraska. 
and look, he, he's a contemporary guy. He is a generational uh, athletic director. He's, he's in his early 50s, but he gets what's going on with the student athletes. He understands what's going on with the culture of collegiate sports. He understands the media, having been uh, a rising television star before he got into uh, becoming an administrator. So he's a very savvy, understanding, wise guy, surrounds himself with the very smart people that he uh, learns from. And he, I think he has handled himself extremely well. Has he had some hiccups along the way? Sure, but nothing that has been uh, glaring that has you know, taken the truck off the road. Um, and he's been open. I, I, he's done a lot of these sit-down Q&As with you know, Tom Chattel or Mitch Sherman or whomever it might be and answered some questions. Does he answer them with media savvy? Absolutely. Uh, does he write transparency sometimes in pencil? Sure. But that beca that's because he understands it. He knows what he can and cannot say, what he should say, and as much as he can say. You know, everybody's going to ask an athletic director, who's next in the Big Ten? And, uh, you know, was it Gary Barta was talking about Notre Dame the other day? Well, you know, Trev knows I can't do that. But I can say how this is going to affect Nebraska. We are in the competitive business, and this is what our mission is. And I understand Nebraska and what it is. It's not as though Nebraska hired some guy that had no clue what he was doing, you know, that may have been at, say, I don't know, Wisconsin, Miami, and something like that, and took a year or two before he understood Nebraska and, you know, still decided we don't need to play on Friday afternoons on national television when everybody would be watching. You know, they didn't do that. They got a guy who understood. And when they gave him the keys to the car, he wasn't afraid to, to put it in the right direction and make some tough decisions. So uh, I, I respect the job that Trev has done to this point, and he has been as good or better than I expected him to be. And I don't think anybody would be better sitting in that chair than Trev Alberts, given his understanding of the media, the collegiate landscape, and the collegiate athlete. Not everybody in the country can say that about their ADs. Let's talk metrics as the quote is uh, mutually agreed upon when it comes to the uh, the existence of metrics. I don't know that there's a, a uh, permanent Sharpie and napkin that has goals slash must achieve that, that were traded on, on Trev's big mahogany desk. That yeah, said, look, that, might, that, that might have been one of the hiccups. Okay. We don't have uh, metrics on paper. Scott and I have an understanding. Okay. Maybe that should have been it. So there's no USA Today, right. no FOI, all that stuff. They clearly, as two men who understand Nebraska football, have an unspoken or spoken metric as to what it is supposed to be. So they didn't need to hammer something out and say, you got to be one and oh. All right. Or you you're be one and oh. or you're swimming home. <laughs> Might be. I mean, that's a pretty good understanding, right? Right. I here's here's my thought. What what does what does the dreaded six and six do to Trev? I look, I, I think if that gets you in, if that gets you in the last season of bowl games, okay. I mean, 
nobody knows what's going to happen to bowl games when conference realignment settles down, right? But if Nebraska's in a bowl game, seven and five, look, I, I'm I'm in the camp. I don't know how Nebraska doesn't get through the first six games unbeaten. So Maybe you're, five and one. So you're 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 right at five and one, six and zero. Oh, so you're you're thinking October first will come and go, and no sweat, no stress. Well, there's going to be stress every week, right? <laughs> but I mean, I, I was looking at the schedule. I don't think Nebraska has a road game until like mid-November. Well, <laughs> you know? and, and and we're we're there. We're going to be having uh, whiskey and beer uh, to Purdue, <laughs> right? <laughs> Okay, you're in Dublin, but then, you know, look, you got to be one to know. And if one of those directional schools comes into Lincoln and wins North Dakota or Georgia Southern, I think we all know what the metric is with that, too, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. don't don't lose to G5. Uh, that's not right. been okay. good for, for previous coaches. Oklahoma, understandable, I guess. But I think Nebraska can win that game. Why not? It's at home, for Pete's sake. Well, so. let's let's – see how things shake out in Ireland. We and... know what the metrics are, don't we? Yes. We know what they are. Win and look much better doing it. We'll wind down a Friday next. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Friday, Bill Dolman kind enough to sit, sit in, and uh, Will Wilson in for Elijah Herbal, who's on assignment out in Denver, Chris Schmidt uh, on the road tomorrow at uh, Woodland Hills, uh, Tyson's treasure chest to tee off for treasures, 7 to 9 tomorrow morning ahead of the golf tournament with our dear friend Searles and uh, his uh, crew as uh, they uh, look to fundraise to fight against pediatric brain cancer. So excited to be a part of that. Baseball this weekend for me. Vic from Denver emails in. Uh, responding bill to uh, your five and one six and oh thought and uh says look we should be this is from vic chris at alevarsity.com we should be five and one six and oh but dot 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 chemistry hmm. i'm just gl- glad god invented whiskey and, and vic i'm glad that when you come to lincoln you uh you bring that whiskey my friend you share <laughs> i love you i love vic uh That's all but, from denver pardon me that's all he brings from Denver. <laughs> yeah, I'm not picky, nor am I greedy. All right. <laughs> so, we said Elijah. We said Elijah with. Know. We said Elijah with a lot of balloons and an RV. Yeah, right. So <laughs> we're the Millers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that far south, no. <laughs> Just remember abstinence. Uh, yes. Uh, so. <laughs> Bill, what's the weekend look like for you, man? You, you and Shag's going to go uh, for a few walks. You're going to go check out the uh, big, the big Lodo. Big 
weekend. Oh, big rugby weekend. Oh, uh, the United States 15s against Chile. And uh, the winner of the match, I believe, gets a World Cup bid. So it's a really big uh, big deal. Um, so it'll be kind of fun to see the uh, some of the best rugby players. I love that sport, as you well know by it's now. Option football, it's, it's yes. Incredibly uh, interesting. But So, yeah, uh, we'll be uh, doing that and um, maybe watching a little bit of golf, too. Well, and then getting ready to make a road trip to see you guys. Well, that's awesome. Excited for that. That'll be great. Uh, excited for, for uh, Billy D's uh, summer adventure travel. Uh, You'll need to bring you something. <laughs> you know, I got pulled over on my way back from Colorado when we were out in Denver for the Woodbad Baseball Tournament. We did not get any medicine for Grandma's knee, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, and Junior's in the back seat going, dude, you're, you're roasted. It's a state patrolman <laughs> with a mustache. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's a great painting, Carson. Uh, so, no, I didn't. No. I don't have Funyuns laying around my house. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> but if you are, uh, Purple Haze, please. There you uh, go. <laughs> good choice. Will, Will's like, yes. Yeah. Solid. Will, what are you doing? Can I get a beer with you later? Yeah, I'll be at the bar if you need a beer so I can give you that. Uh, I cannot play in that Tyson's Treasure Chest event. I got last place a couple of years ago, so I'm, I'm staying away from that. I played. I was on Searle's team. And uh, we had uh, a couple of ringers. I don't think we finished first, but uh, we we didn't finish last, well. which was okay. So there you have it. Podcast, uh, be sure to download us. Uh, the Hale Varsity Radio Show, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating. We love the feedback. Good, bad, or ugly, we'll take the critique. And uh, tell your friends about it. And subscribe. As Baluto said, it don't cost nothing. Billy D, we will see you soon, partner. Thanks for making time today. All right, brother. It's always good to be with you. Will, nice to see you. And tell Waz hello for me. There we go. Talk to you tomorrow morning. A Huda Media Production.